You're listening to Keystone Cold Cases, a podcast where we reignite cold cases across Pennsylvania. Hey, it's Sarah. And hey, it is Chelsea. Today we are going to go over a case that actually should sound fairly familiar to everyone. It is kind of almost the same as Sherry Mayhem. So we're just going to dive right in. There's definitely similarities. It's not 100% the same, but when I saw it, I know we recently did it and I thought Mm -hmm. it'd be nice if we saw one and this today we're covering eric piles and obviously he he's a little boy so i thought you know i guess a lot of times we think that like girls are kind of targets um we don't right. i feel like we have way more cases of women so i thought that this would be a nice case to pick because i don't think we've had too many little boys um i think only two yeah just a, a handful yeah so this one definitely popped up and i'm excited to share it with you i am I'm excited to hear it. Um, since you mentioned Cherry, um, we actually got an email through the website with some information um, to just like blog posts. So I'm not sure how much credibility there is behind it, but we did get an email just with some further information that I'm going to follow up on about Cherry. So we may have an update coming for her in the future. Just a heads up. And something that I want to hit on about that, I think for the most part, we are trying to be super respectful of these families. And so we're not constantly like trying to find who they are. I mean, if there's a Facebook page, we'll like reach out or whatnot, but we're not like really trying to disturb these people at all. But I have noticed and I've I guess I, while reading some stuff, families are constantly searching for information. So Mm -hmm. they learn about these cases and we've had a lot of families touch out or, or, um, friends touch out after we've put out a case weeks, months later, because they're just looking to see if any more information or anything is coming out above about their loved ones. And then they reach out to us, um, which is kind of amazing. Especially lately. Like, it seems like maybe in the past five or six weeks, we've heard from a ton of family members and friends of cases that we've covered. Um, So. And it really makes this worth it, honestly. Absolutely. A hundred percent. So kind of went off the rails, but that's okay. That's okay. Important things. Um, But. Again, we are talking about Eric today, and he was just a 12-year-old boy, and I think Sherry was a little bit younger. I think she was eight, correct? Yeah. She was younger, yeah. Yes. So, but Eric also got off the bus very close to his home and kind of disappeared afterwards. So that is kind of the similarity here. Um, And, you know, if you're not a fan of cases regarding children, this will be a good one to to skip. There's nothing like gory or anything. It's just a little bit upsetting, you know. So Eric was actually kind of a new Pennsylvanian uh, transplant. Uh, He was living in Jonestown. He had actually grown up in Virginia with his parents. And at the time, his older sister, Maria, was granted custody of Eric and his younger brother due to neglect from his parents. Oh, yes. So right there, we already know that there is trauma with this 
this little boy. Right. Um, this sibling trio plus Maria's husband and their their three children, they lived in Union Township. And like I said, they were living in Jonestown. Maria said that the pair of brothers had behavioral issues and it didn't get any better when they moved in with her. She had roles and she expected them to be followed. And both boys were not acclimating to this environment at all. And all I can say is I know that so well. Like I was taken from my mom and moved into a house that had very strict rules. I mean, super strict and I could not regulate at all. I mean, it would, it's just very drastic and it's hard as a kid. You're not fully developed and you don't really understand things. And I can only imagine how rough it was for these two boys. Um, As an adult, change throws me off. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm in my late 20s and we switched our curriculum at one point this year and it like flip-flopped my brain. I mean, I can't imagine being 12 and this is everything you've experienced and now you've got these super strict rules to live by. Yeah. It'd be it'd be rough on his brain. Oh, absolutely. And to cope or deal, I mean, obviously they saw it as behaviors, but Eric would um run away, but he would always return by nighttime. And, like, I can get that. Like, you don't know how to cope, so just escape. Right. Um, and from reading the articles, it feels like it was more, like, a negative connotation of his behavior than, like, maybe him just trying to learn how to cope on his own. So that was super sad. But, you know, Maria really wanted to help. She wanted things to get better. She got Eric counseling sessions immediately upon moving to PA. And according to the Charlie Project, he was an inpatient at Philhaven Behavioral mm-hmm. Healthcare Services twice. And Maria even attempted to have him placed in a residential treatment center for these behavioral issues. So obviously, like, you can tell the family had a lot going on, but she was trying her hardest to manage. Yeah. And it's not easy. Like today, it's not easy. And I didn't even tell you the year. It's 2000s. So this was a while ago. Mental health really wasn't a huge focus back then. Yeah. Um, Maybe starting to in some regards, but the very, very, very start of it. And it just, there was not resources that she was really able to get. And he was definitely failed, I think, which is sad. Um, Yeah. So on December 12th, 2000, Eric was finished with school and he had just got off the bus. And this bus drop off was near the intersection of U.S. Route 22 and PA Route 72. And I tried to Google uh, this and I cannot find it to save my life. Uh, It won't pull up. I've tried following one section and going to the other. I don't know why. I'm not sure if they're if it was wrong in the Charlie Project. That's where I got the intersection from um it was mentioned in the charlie project but i for the life of me i couldn't pull it up in google maps jonestown itself is a a pretty small area of i think it's it's in lebanon county it's it's very close to the dolphin lebanon border but where 72 and 22 cross um it's they wouldn't look like 81 would on a map they're like state routes but they're not multi-lane highways i'm guessing they're probably a non-federal state route then 22 i think is a federal state route um Hmm. i'm not positive but yeah uh route 22 is very long and runs i was getting i was trying to follow one and i was getting i was like i'm not getting anywhere and it's i use like google maps and uh another site called video log that tracks like state routes and i was Mm -hmm. like i'm not finding anything i was getting very irritated yeah so no, it but it's be that. 
yeah it's it's just a very rural area so it probably just didn't look like an intersection of two you know numbered roads okay when you looked at it good to know because i was very frustrated with that so the last person that saw eric was a secretary working at jonestown bible church at approximately 2 30 p.m um it is believed that he went there to use the church bathroom they can't confirm it there was no video of it she knows it was him because she described what the boy was wearing and it, it matched his description of what he had on that day and the only reason he could be going there is possibly going to the bathroom but no one can really confirm or deny it she saw him you know walking to the church but didn't see what he was actually doing sure so that night after she i guess was done her shift she was locking up and noticed that there were footprints in the snow leading to the woods and she just assumed they were his because they were small and she never she didn't see anyone else those footprints were in snow so it had snowed that day i did try looking up like weather reports that you know get documented yeah and it did say it snowed but it didn't like say how much okay but it was enough to see footprints so i'm guessing at least in a half an inch i would say yeah maria noticed that he did not come home after school but she just assumed he ran away it wasn't an un common event but she did state that he had a really great day like during the morning like the school didn't call so she assumed he Mm -hmm. had a good day so she didn't really understand why he'd run away you know maybe there was like a pattern um i know for me for my son who has behavioral issues there's a there's a pattern um sure you know by the time night came around he didn't return and that kind of started to worry maria because that was uncommon um right the not returning the area around awol road where the family lived was searched multiple times uh they used bloodhounds and helicopters in the search as well a 1000 reward was immediately offered through lebanon county crime stoppers so you were correct you know your areas very well (laughs) i applaud you it's it's close to where i live oh okay yeah still applaud you um you're really great at that stuff i I know my road. That's basically it. It's actually part of my teacher certification. Oh, really? Um, because I'm certified to teach everything grades four, five, and six. And fourth grade social studies curriculum in Pennsylvania is state history and geography. Oh. So look it at was you. part of what I had to do in my undergrad. Oh, yeah. nice. You see? It is useful. <laughs> it, it was. It was a fascinating class. Huh. Interesting. Well, that's awesome. Well, thank you for helping me on all my questions. (laughs) Literally, and I know this isn't the first time, and it probably definitely will not be the last time. It's okay. I've also been wrong before and will be wrong again, so (laughs) sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. Okay. Well, thank you. I'm happy for all the help. So these woods that he was last seen in, I was thinking like like a forest. So have you. But it really wasn't a forest. Maybe maybe to a little kid, maybe. But it was really only a half mile by a half mile area. So it's like really not that big. You can still get tangled up in in some thick Pennsylvania woods yeah. in only half a mile. Oh, yeah. But like it wasn't like days worth. Like we've had some cases where it's taken right. months. Because I know for the Felicia Thomas case and... The other girl involved in that, Barzalowski? Jenny. Jenny, yes. They were, like, looking in the woods for months. Right, right. So this one was, like, fairly small compared to what we have been seeing. Right. 
And, you know, that obviously was searched by bloodhounds as well. And flyers were distributed throughout the county and beyond. Um, Didn't really tell me how far beyond, but we'll leave it at that. I'm guessing neighboring cities. Because it wasn't that big of a town. (laughs) Well, it still isn't a big town. Um, Shortly after Eric's disappearance, Maria and her husband got divorced. I can't find, like what shortly means in this article was it like a month later a year later um i guess that's kind of um personal to each person i guess i don't know how to describe that like yeah it's kind of like a relative meaning yeah so in some senses yeah i couldn't really find the exact time frame but they did end up getting divorced and i was reading i was obviously on reddit and um web sleuth someone said it's kind of like when you lose a child and like your biological child dies i mean um it's really hard to kind of recover i know for me i, I had landon super young uh, mm-hmm. not me young him he was born in 22 weeks jesus if i could just get that out um and it was so hard being like nikki family yeah it it was rough and i've heard it about a lot of other things so like maybe it wasn't that you know strange that they got divorced but when we get to theories we'll talk yeah. a little bit more about it but since eric disappeared she ended up getting remarried and she took the last name Furman. maria was obviously interviewed they always look at the closest people we all know that right but she passed the lie detector test and pacifying colors even though they're not like always 100 percent accurate right but police did move on from her once she passed she also told police that eric wanted to go back home to virginia and remember at the time it was creeping up on christmas and i could not find for life of me if it was his first christmas in pa uh, after being taken i could not verify that i did okay. try there is uh, there's really not a lot from the charlie project and one article that i found when it originally happened and then like one in 2020 of them opening his case those were the only three articles i could find um, okay. And then there's information from there's a Facebook group and it's run by two of his brothers because there was, okay. a, I think, another brother. I'm not sure if he was old enough and kind of out of the house like Maria or if he had stayed with his parents. Gotcha. They would okay. not talk about that. I wasn't really going to ask. Right. Um, but this Facebook group is pretty active and they did talk to me. Well, I think, I don't know if it's a woman, it's a person is helping them run it. I guess they did kind of like a blog post trying to like get more attention on the case and the brothers saw it and they were like, Hey, let's make a Facebook to keep everyone updated. And it's really just kind of the same articles, unfortunately. Oh, okay. Gotcha. So there's not a lot of information, unfortunately. Yeah. I know we've seen that on a couple of the Facebook pages Yeah, that they tend to to just have the same articles exactly but in my mind you know even with christmas even if it wasn't just this first one that is the time that you're thinking about your family and you know even if you had shitty parents you still have this weird connection with them or want to be with them. right right so was that kind of like a driving fact that maybe he did run away to go and maybe kind of met some you know awful person who knows And we'll talk more about that. So with Maria mentioning this, obviously investigators thought that it could be a possibility that Virginia was Eric's destination. And they did conduct multiple interviews with Eric's various family members in Virginia. 
and there were no leads uncovered and no evidence that he even made it to the area. Okay. So, like, even if he did attempt to go, he didn't tell anybody there, and he never showed up. So... Okay. We'll leave that at that. So it was also not helpful at all that Eric would give misleading information to people who asked for it. Of course. Oh, uh, yeah. He would tell people that he was from Cleona, PA, but Maria said he had never even been there before. And looking at the Google Maps, because I did find this one, um, <laughs> the towns are roughly like 12 minutes apart. Yeah. So, like, I definitely think, like, I'm not sure if I mentioned it before, like, including his running away he would also hitchhike which okay. is like a, ter- a scary and terrifying thing yeah for a kid i mean i'd be terrified right. to do it but 12 year old <sighs> right um but so he would be hitchhiking and i don't think that it's uncommon i i wouldn't think the possibility is so strange that he could have made it to cleona especially if he ran away how do you know where he's going so like she yeah. claims that he's never been there before but I think there's a possibility, but right. Either way, he would tell people he was from from uh, he would tell people he was from Cleona, and he would also tell them that his name was Nick. Okay. Yeah. Uh, he got the name Nick. It's not like an, a nickname or anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um. Sh- yeah. Um. But when he would play pretend play when he was younger, he just would use the name Nick. So he just kept calling himself Nick. This almost feels like there's some sort of paranormal connection behind it. Like I'm he not sure. Was he... supposed to be a twin but wasn't or <laughs> like some like he's got an imaginary friend that's actually a ghost and he's talking to him and saying that he's his friend. I don't this is just where my brain is going. I've been in a ghosty paranormal mood lately, so. All good. He actually had, like, a full name that he would use. I didn't write it all down, um, but it did not match his, like, given name at all. None of it. Very interesting. Yeah. Yep. And I would just feel like this could really potentially be harder for the case because if he's telling people sure. he's Nick and that he's from a different area, like, maybe someone did meet him and just didn't connect the dots because... Right. They're looking for someone named Eric. Of course, they're not thinking of this kid named Nick. Um, right. So I I thought that that was interesting. Yeah. We have not heard that. Especially for a 12-year-old to be altering location and names. Especially a 12-year-old that wasn't even born in the area. Like, you know, it's not like he lives in Jonestown. So he says, oh, I'm from Harrisburg or Lebanon or Ephrata or you know, like a a bigger, quote unquote, city in that area. Like Cleona is a small town. It, yeah. It's like another small town like Jonestown, I believe. Right. So I it, don't know. It just seems weird. Like, why would you make up a story about another small town? How would you know about that town if you'd never been there? Like, it just not pointing fingers in any direction. It's just a weird thing for a 12 year old that doesn't know the area or hasn't lived here that long to come up with i don't know no i agree i definitely agree so the case kind of went cold for a really long time as i mentioned before not a lot of coverage really at all but so police ended up opening back up this case in march of 2020 um there was no real reason given why that i could find and the person i talked to 
said that, well, kind of alluded to this article that was put out after this, that there was one detail changed, like mentioned, that hadn't been mentioned before. And they believe that that Mm. is like the biggest clue to what happened. I honestly couldn't tell you what it was. And it it might not be public information it might oh, not no be... it was something that was mentioned in an article and just oh, like oh, 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 oh. A small wording or something was different and they believe oh. that that is could why why something. it was open and that okay what could happen i honestly couldn't figure it out and i didn't want to okay. ask and she didn't want to tell me which is completely fine and sure. i keep saying she i don't know if she they will go with they um want to tell me which is completely fine um right. and it's really not anything the police have come out and said they said that between them and the brothers they want to keep it to themselves for now that's fair so not really sure why it was opened up but a search was conducted march 14th 2020 around the area where he was living at the time he disappeared okay it specifically covered the area north of a wall road west of silvertown road and they never released if any evidence was found and like i said no reason why it was conducted right a fox 43 article that was nope in a fox 43 article there was a quote we're not at the point yet of charging and identifying a suspect said lebanon county district attorney hess graff and he went on to say or publicly saying this is oh god Or publicly saying, this is where we are with the case. There's what I believe and there's what I can prove in court. There are two very different things. Okay. So they're just not willing yet to put anything out into the public. And it's it sounds like it's kind of hard for him to say much more because his beliefs of what may have happened and what there is actually concrete evidence for don't necessarily align or not that not that they don't align but that the proof doesn't go as far as the beliefs do yeah so so hopefully like soon because that was two years ago like there will be some type of closure yeah for this family because they are really you know looking yeah and the facebook page that i keep mentioning is called help bring eric piles home and like i said it's run by two of his brothers and a woman who a person a person who created a blog post that has been helping them run it okay before we jump into theories maybe it's just the like dramatic irony and the fact that i teach it so it's always in my brain he lived on a road called a wall road and he is missing yeah that just also kind of adds to the the spooky vibes that i had from earlier all good so we're gonna go into theories and i'm like absolutely blown away how many pages and pages of um comments and replies there were for this case because i've done bigger cases and there's nothing on web or reddit but this one like took off so there was a lot to read through and there's there's a lot more than what i even post here so if you're really interested go dive down that rabbit hole (laughs) so we're gonna go with like five i picked five so some people believe that he wandered into the woods and ended up dying due to the elements now i mentioned before i looked up the weather for that day and the high was 42.8 degrees and the low was 32 degrees so that is cold yeah 
It had snowed that day. And like I said, the amount was not recorded. So, I mean, it could be worse if there was more. Um, right. But, um, I, like I said before, I assumed it would have to be like a half an inch to leave that um, footprint. I could sure. be wrong. But um, it's possible that he went to the bathroom or he went into the woods to just calm down. Like I said before, couldn't cope, needed to get away. It's right. possible that he could have gotten hurt while walking, tripped and fell. Like you said, the woods in PA, they're, they're right. rough. They can be rough. Maybe because he got hurt, he couldn't get back up and make it back home. Maybe he was calling out and no one could hear him. Right. And I looked up hypothermia because, um, like, yeah, I know about it, but I don't know, like, the specifics. Right. But it can happen even if temperatures don't get lower than 32 degrees. And like, mm -hmm. if you're exposed for long periods of time and he is pretty tiny. Um, yeah. But then we come back to the fact that police took tracking dogs into those woods. So, right. Yeah. And that's what I was going to say is, you know, we talk about this all the time, like, you know, these missing people that were very depressed and, you know, or just people that may have wandered and we always come back to, but where is the body? Like if he wandered into those woods, you know, it's, what'd you say? Half a square mile. Yep. You're going to be able to find that body if he did wander. Exactly. So yeah, that's, or at least a scrap of clothing somewhere or you're gonna find something yeah but people are still pretty like intent on that theory i don't really yeah. i don't know for me it's a no that one so then we jump into the next one like i mentioned before people kind of get held up by maria's husband at the time of the disappearance they ended up getting divorced and i know police and community really look at the closest relatives or relationships when it comes to crimes i doubt right. I really doubt Maria had anything to do with his disappearance because she fought so hard to get custody and was working so hard to get him help. But there is that possibility that maybe her husband had something to do with it. I mean, it is clear they were struggling with handling two children with mental health issues and they had their own. And that is like a really big pill to swallow. Like, you don't want to tell your wife, oh, no, like, don't take in your brothers. But right i live with a child with behavioral issues and you know other issues and it is a struggle and i believe it <clears throat> sean has a brother that i don't even know how to classify he is basically at a eight years old level there was like issues coming out oh. he was a twin he was the last twin. sean really wants to bring him here but that man he is a man he's like 40 yeah. is 6'3 and so strong like how would we ever contain right. that and it's been hard conversations between us both right. um and it's something i would love to do for him but i just i couldn't and i couldn't even imagine you know i mean slightly different situations but it's a it's a commitment and like yeah. did you really marry to do that i mean i know those are hard things to say but like marriages right are not perfect at any yeah. sense of the word so yeah yeah, I mean, absolutely. Is it a possibility? It could be. We'll never, right. I don't know if we will ever know, unfortunately. Right. Then, you know, we did mention the woods before, but we're going to kind of circle back on that. You know, yeah, he went into the woods, but maybe he came out freezing and hungry. You know, it's after school. That's kind of a long day. Sure. Obviously. Especially obviously for a 12 year old. Oh, yeah. My son eats like a man. 
and like a man and his family. <laughs> he eats for a couple of people. I believe it. I see my kids eat in class. And yeah. I'm yeah. just like, where does that go? Yeah. So, you know, with this history of hitchhiking, you know, maybe he tried to look for help immediately instead of walking home. These are, you know, supposed to be two state routes, like we mentioned mm-hmm. before. There's going to be traffic. Um, He did have a coat on, but there was like no mention of him having a hat or gloves. So I'm sure he was cold. Yeah. Um, There is a huge possibility of someone pulling over to pick him up, but kind of having more sinister ideas than just helping a kid out. Right. And on a similar line, maybe he stopped at the wrong house looking for help. Could be true as well. I mean, there's just so many possibilities with all his bad habits. Yeah. Like, I know he was trying to, like, help himself cope, but, like, he should have been taught better ways. And it's tough. And it's, it is tough. There's actually a, um, a documentary that I watched yesterday, um, on Hulu. It's called Crazy Not Insane. And it actually looks at a lot of, um, it, it follows a, um, forensic psychiatrist, um, and she actually talks with, I believe it was 22 serial killers throughout her career and, you know, hundreds of other criminals. And it was all getting behind how childhood trauma or various events in childhood affect um, what happens in criminals as adults. Um, and it seems like we're we're kind of talking about that same thing here like a lot of that trauma may have really altered the way his brain was forming and may have really caused either you know this desire to just wander or run away or these negative reactions to things that could have led to bad um situations or anything like that um so i mean i think there's definitely a lot there too like that childhood trauma majorly affecting the way that you mature and especially when hormones start kicking in i absolutely believe that i i mean i know you know that i had childhood trauma and i've mentioned it before i actually started therapy mostly because of you guys (laughs) you're like you've gone through so much and we go through therapy and made me feel bad um but i have (laughs) I do like it now. I maybe not get out as much as I want, but I have really bad habits from trying to shield myself. Yes. I and I'm trying to get out of it, but it's not easy at all. Yeah. I'm right there with you. Yeah. Like all this trauma happened so long ago and I didn't even realize the things that I was doing. I was just subconsciously doing it to protect myself. Yes. Even though I didn't I don't have to now. But I just do it anyway. And it's like not something I think about. And I just don't want to be in that mindset anymore. Right. Yeah. So I can't even imagine being 12 and facing it again. Yeah. It's just really sad. Yeah. And on that topic, people believe that he was kind of an easy target due to his past trauma. His He obviously had impulsivity because he was younger. Right. You know, he didn't really know how to handle these feelings clearly you know by what the family has said and he obviously had a lack of danger awareness right you know some people believe that during these excursions he just met the wrong person who was i guess 
how they were trying to word it was like just grooming him over a period of time and someone trying to see how far he'd let them go and maybe realize that they could take him at one point right um i mean that's, I mean, that's quite possible yeah because he could have been meeting anyone during these time frames and right. i don't think he was telling his family that which is scary yeah and then the last one we're going to talk about is maria mentioning that eric wanted to go back home you know even though it was a bad environment he still wanted to be with his parents some think that he could possibly have found his way back to virginia like eventually maybe it didn't happen as soon as the police went to investigate or x y and z um but but like no one would have told anybody yeah i don't know if he eventually surfaced somewhere it's kind of like when we talked about the maria jackson case of you know people thinking that someone took her to family in florida right it's kind of like that right and i mean well unfortunately we don't know there's really not a lot of leads or information about any of it that's public at least right so as i said before when he disappeared he was 12 years old he would be 34 years old at this time, and we will post a age-progressed photo of what he would look like. I think it was more, it was done in 2020, so. Okay. I mean, that is still pretty recent, sure. but um, it gives you an idea. When he disappeared, he was 4 feet, 8 inches tall, 95 pounds. He was wearing a gray sweatshirt with an image of a deer imprinted on the front light blue jeans, black sneakers, and a blue flannel jacket. He also had his Washington Redskins backpack with him at the time of his disappearance, and that is one of the things that the secretary had identified. Okay. Um, was that backpack. He was a white male with blonde hair that was collar length, and it will look different from his pictures because in all his pictures he has short hair. Okay. But at the time, he had longer hair. Okay. He has brown eyes and a scar near the right side of his waistline. I didn't really say what it looked like, how it got there. Okay. Kind of a little bit vague. So if you do have any information regarding this case, please call the PA State Police at 717-865-2194. That's all we have for this episode of Keystone Cold Cases Podcast. Please remember never to reach out to family or friends of the victims, only to law enforcement if you have any tips. This episode was researched and hosted by Chelsea Brown. Find all of our sources, social media connections, and contact information at kccpod.com. The music and production assistance from Darren Makins. Join us again next week for another case to sleuth out.